Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 88. Psalm 88, we are uh, continuing. And uh, in the next to last week of our summer series, the songs we sing. So we've been looking at different psalms uh, this summer and how they help us express different emotions. And so I hope you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. Uh, the psalms are so rich and just full of great wisdom and practical truth for us as we learn to process the different emotions that God has given us, as we learn to process them properly and biblically in a way that brings honor to his name. And that's what we're going to look at today in Psalm 88. So before we dig into that, would you pray with me and ask the Lord to bless his word? Jesus, we, again, are grateful and we, we love you. We're thankful that you identify with us, that you know us. In our greatest weakness and greatest moments of despair, you are with us because you have walked through what we have gone through. You have suffered. You came to earth and became one of us so that you could identify with us, so that you could be our salvation. So Lord, would you use your word, even in a place like Psalm 88, would you use your word to transform us and to give us hope today? It's in the name of Christ we pray, amen. You know, I think one of the most gracious things God did for us in giving us the Bible, I mean, the fact we have God's word is incredibly gracious, that the creator of all things would reveal himself in written words to us to help us understand more about him and the world he created. One of the most gracious things in that, though, is that the Bible contains all kinds of wisdom for all kinds and different seasons of life, especially stories and characters who go through all kinds of different situations. Now, it's understandable that we, we tend to, to gravitate toward it and we tend to really want to hear those more inspirational stories in Scripture. We, we tend to want to focus on the triumphant and the joyful moments in the Bible. Like, for example, when the Israelites are escaping Pharaoh and God parts the Red Sea and just leads them through into that great moment of deliverance. Or when David defeats the giant Goliath. Or when Jesus calms the storm and it's over and he speaks and there's peace. But what we often overlook are the numerous examples in the Bible of people who had lost all sight of hope and were driven to the greatest depths of despair. I think about Job probably the most famous classic example of someone in the scriptures who was at the lowest point of despair after losing all of his wealth, after his children dying, after losing his own health. Job said, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. See, we, we tend to skip over those parts in scripture often. What about Elijah? Running for his life in fear, Elijah prayed that he would die. He told God that he had had enough. Those were his words. He asked the Lord to take his life. David, we think of the great moments in David's life, but he had some pretty low lows. 
He fled for his life and cried out to God in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. King David said that to the Lord. What about Jonah? After preaching with great success in the wicked city of Nineveh, I mean, he had what Billy Graham never did. I mean, he had a huge revival in this wicked city of Nineveh and people were coming to the Lord and Jonah asked God to take away his life. That great work was happening, yet Jonah was not happy. He was not joyful. He prayed that God would take away his life. He said this, for it is better for me to die than to live. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And then I think of Rachel. She was envious of her sister who had many children. And in the depth of her despair, she said, give me children or I shall die. You see, we don't only need to learn from those great inspirational triumphant stories. They're great. And boy, are they encouraging and boy, are they good. But we also need to take time to look at the dark and the gloomy ones too. Because if we truly want to be equipped as children of God to live in a broken, disastrous world that we do live in, we have to take the time, we have to take the study, we have to take the effort to put into learning and gleaning the wisdom and the depth of truth in these darker moments. Because if we're not looking at the whole picture here, we're not going to know how to cope and how to deal with and how to have real hope in the midst of our despair. Today we're going to see a glimpse into the window of a man's soul who is experiencing deep despair. It's not a story, it's in the form of a song. And I think this song, like the others we've seen, can help each of us as we read it to process these same Feelings that we all have at some point in our lives. So today we're looking at Psalm 88, and many biblical scholars will tell you this is probably the gloomiest, the darkest of all the songs in the scriptures. It was written by a little uh, a man named Haman, a little known man. We don't know much about him, but his name was Haman the Ezraite. And so here's the introduction in verses one and two. He kind of introduces the thought process, and then we're going to get into the details as we go. So look at just verses 1 and 2 for now. Haman cries out to the Lord. He says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Now, right off the bat, I think the first thing we have to notice here, it's important to see this is a child of God speaking. Do you see that? He's praying to God. He uses the personal name for God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. That's what the all caps, L-O-R-D, Lord, uh, means in, in your NIV translations. And, and, and it affirms, he affirms his salvation. Yet even though he is a born again, a child of God, he still feels great sorrow and despair. He's pleading for deliverance. So the rest of this song 
he wrote to express how he felt is going to show us really two things. It's going to show us on one hand the depth of despair, but on the other hand it's going to show us the height of hope. I want us to take some time and look at both of those today. The depth of despair. The great famous English preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, the flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. You know, from physical pain to emotional distress, from, circus, from circumstantial difficulties to the inner turmoil of the soul, all of us, if we're truthful, all of us at some point or another will feel despondent in our lives. We will feel that depth of despair in our souls. We will feel as if no one cares. We will feel as if no one is listening. And the truth is, all of us at some point will probably have a thought in our head, if not worse, that God himself is not listening. One question we have to wrestle with is, is it okay to feel that way? We don't talk a lot about this in church. Is it okay to feel that way? Well, the reality is, in this broken world, I'll say this first, we will feel this way. We will feel this way. It's songs like this one today that God in his infinite wisdom decided to include in the Bible. I mean, think about that. I was reading commentaries this week and, and they pointed out the fact that, man, the fact that this song is included in the Bible tells us that God wants us to know that we are going to feel this way sometimes. Or else, why would he have, why would he have put that song by Haman, the Ezraite, so we don't even really know anything about, why would he put that in the Bible? But here it is. No one, especially Christians, None of us are exempt from the suffering of this world. And when you hear the language in this song today, just, you can hear it. It comes in, it comes in different forms. And, and sometimes in all of us, it's manifesting itself very internally in our souls and in our minds and to the point that we wrestle. We wrestle with truly believing that God is good. We wrestle with the truth that maybe, I don't know, I don't know if, it's, if he's present with me right now. And that's what Haman is saying here. And I think we can identify with him. You can hear the anguish in his words. So there's three things that you can see in the depth of his despair. Number one, I think we can identify with all of these. First of all, he feels cut off from God. He feels cut off from God. Look at what he continues to say in verses 3 through 7. He says, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more. For they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit. And the region's dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. That's not the kind of verse that you put on a pretty canvas and hang up in your living room. 
See, Haman feels as good as dead. He feels cut off from his maker, from his, from his personal assessment. There's, there's no evidence in his life that he is a child of God. He's, he's questioning if he even knows the Lord, though he starts out acknowledging that God is the God of his salvation, but look how quickly his tone changes. He questions whether or not he has God's blessings. From his vantage point, he has no advantage over the world. What evidence is there in his life, he thinks, that God is with him, that God has blessed him, that God has shown favor to him? Look down in verses 14 through 17. We're going to skip around a little bit today throughout this. We're going to cover all the verses. But look, look at verses 14 through 17. Same train of thought. Listen to what he says. This is dark. This is really dark. He says, oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your, your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. I don't know if there's another part of your Bible that is as emotionally raw as this. This is as honest as it gets. This is a truly troubled soul. See, there's a great internal struggle. There's this great internal struggle going on within Haman night and day, night and day, day after day. He is feeling that he is cut off from the goodness of his God and that he can't escape it. It's one thing to feel that you're cut off. It's another thing to realize that there's no hope to get out. It's gotten so bad that it's affecting his relationship with God. He feels God is distant, that perhaps God doesn't care anymore about his well-being. Have you ever felt that way? As if God had turned his face from you. As if there was no evidence of blessing in your life from him. You see, though this song is bleak, it shows us that we are not alone in our feelings of despair. And those feelings affect our thoughts toward God himself. But you know what? They also affect our thoughts towards others. That's the second thing we see in the depth of Haman's despair. His relationships are affected. So he feels cut off from God. His relationships are affected as well. Look at verse 8 and 18. So verse 8 first, he says, You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. And then in verse 18, very similar, he says, You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. The NIV translation is very interesting the way it words that phrase in the original Hebrew. It says, you could say it this way, darkness is my closest friend. Darkness is my closest friend? You see, his inner turmoil is causing problems in his outward life. Do you see that? The, the turmoil he's experiencing emotionally within his heart and his thoughts are now affecting his actual relationships in his life. 
His friends see how distraught he is. Maybe they don't even want to be around him, or at least that's how he's perceiving it. I mean, have you ever felt, have you ever felt so miserable that you know other people didn't even want to be around you? See, with our fellowship with God broken, with our friendships broken, it really becomes hard to see any good in our lives. And that brings us to the third point, in the depth of his despair. He's having trouble seeing any good in life. It's a short statement, but it's packed with insight. Look what he says in the first part of verse 9. He says, my eye grows dim through sorrow. My eye grows dim through sorrow. You see, his sorrow is so great that the world is just looking darker and darker to him. He is having trouble seeing anything good around him. He's having trouble seeing anything good in other people. He's having trouble seeing anything good in his own heart. He is having serious trouble seeing good in God. When despair, when darkness is our closest friend, it's hard to feel happiness, isn't it? Some of the things that used to bring you joy and happiness may elude you now. It's hard to feel joy. It's even hard to see the good in the world or in other people. Or maybe, yes, it's hard sometimes for you to see the good in God. So I want to kind of transition a little bit here and, and ask the question, are these feelings okay? Are these feelings okay in us? You know, I like how one of my favorite preachers, his name's Matt Chandler, pastors in Dallas, Texas, he said it this way. He said, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Now, here's the thing, okay? And I know we do this. You know, we have trouble admitting that it's not, we have trouble admitting that it's okay to not be okay, right? Our culture, our friendships, our peers, the world in general just puts pressure on us to make uh, make us think that we have to portray our lives, that we have, you know, all of our ducks in a row and, and we're really, you know, everything just as nice and neat and packaged well and, and everything's good, right? We, we feel like we have to portray that. And so even just, you know, you walk into church, <clears throat> you've had a rough morning, you walk into church and uh, somebody, hey, how you doing, man? Oh, we're, we're doing great. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I mean, argued all the way to church here, all, all the way in the car with my wife. We forgot one of our kids at home, and I'm wearing mismatched shoes. But man, oh, dude, we're doing great, man. So great. See, we feel, we feel that we have to make others think that we're okay, that there's nothing going on. And listen, I get it. When someone passes you in the hallway at church or at work or wherever, and they say, how you doing? You can say, good, but can we get to a point, can we get to a point where we can truthfully, honestly say, I'm good, but... I'm good, but I'm wrestling with some stuff. I mean, ultimately, I know I'm good because I have God's grace and I have salvation, like Haman exclaimed in the very first part of this song. I know eternally I'm good, but in the present, I know, man, I am wrestling with some stuff. 
Can we get to a point where we can open up with our Christian brother or our Christian sister, where we can have Christian community and say, man, I need a shoulder to cry on. I am not strong enough. And that's okay. But it's not okay to stay there. So in terms of this song, and is there any glimmer of hope? <laughs> well, not at first glance. Not at all. But I, I really want us to think about some things. So let's talk about the height of hope. We've, we've talked about the depth of despair. It's dark. Let's talk about the height of hope. The author, uh, Christian author Chris Cipollone, in his book called Down, Not Out, he talks about how even though we don't feel any hope, that doesn't mean there isn't any. He says this. This is good. Listen to this. He says, the sun can be shining and I can feel low. My lowness does not stop the sun from shining. In the same way, the hopelessness we can feel does not have the power to stop the hope we have. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. In other words, listen, you can have true faith and experience genuine pain at the same time. You can believe that God is good, but in our sinful, human, weak, broken emotion, we can feel the pain and the real sorrow in our hearts. And I think we see this play out in Haman's song. Look at this, number one, under the height of hope. Notice that even though he feels this great sorrow, he is persistent in prayer. Did you catch that? He's persistent in prayer. Look at verse one again. He says, oh Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. He prays day and night. Look at verse nine. My eye grows dim through sorrow, but look at this. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you every day. Verse 13. But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. The first thing he does when he wakes up is turn to God in prayer. Even in the darkness, he's not turning away from God. Do you see that? Even in the darkest moment of his life, where he feels great despair, he has a gritty, tough faith. He is not turning away from God. He's turning to him, though he is brutally honest about what he's feeling with the Lord. And he is exclaiming and expressing his desperation to God. Cipollone says again, this is good. He says, in some ways, in some ways, Depression and anxiety allow us to worship God more deeply. Why? Because it's harder to acknowledge that our life is still in Christ in these times. Yet, if we are able in the midst of suffering to still call Jesus our Lord, we see just how deeply God's Spirit is at work within us and we can thank Him for that. Now, we're not told 
We're not told here if Haman's despair was brought on by external circumstances or personal sin. We don't know. But nonetheless, you know what we need to remember? Psalm 51, 17, when David was in his depth of despair, he said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The Lord is not looking for people who act like they've got it all put together. The Lord is not looking for people who act like they don't need any help in life. The Lord is not looking for people who don't think they need him. The Lord is looking for people who are broken. He is near to the brokenhearted. That's who he's going to use in this world, the weak. He uses the weak to shame the strong. That's the God that we know. That's the God who suffered and bled for us. It was his weakness that makes us strong. And so we identify with him in our own suffering. Do not underestimate the power of prayer in the middle of your despair. Come to God with your brokenness. Voice it. Tell him how you feel. Do you think he doesn't already know? He knows. He knows exactly what you're thinking about him. Be reverent, but be honest. Tim Keller says, in the darkness, we have a choice that is not really there in better times. In other words, see how much glory your life can bring to God if you turn to him, even in desperation, with words you don't know how to articulate, with tears. If you just turn to him in the midst of your despair, do you see the glory that your heart is bringing to the Almighty God in that moment, that is what He desires. You are being faithful in those dark moments if you turn to Him, even if you don't know what to say. But why? Why can we turn to God? How are we able to turn to God in our despair? Why should that not seem like a foreign concept to us? Well, that brings us to the last point under the height of hope. It's because Christ is our only true hope. Christ is our only true hope. Look at verses 10 through 12. Now this sounds gloomy, and it is. But there's something that this points us to. Look at verses 10 through 12. Haman is asking God these questions. He has some questions for God. You ready? Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up? To praise you is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? He is asking God, can you deliver me? Can you? Are you able to deliver me? Perhaps this is his way of voicing how far gone he thinks he is beyond the point of being delivered. Again, he's already stated he thinks he's as good as dead. But think about these questions on a deeper level and with the rest of Scripture in mind as a whole. With the rest of the Bible and the story we know, how this pans out, let's ask ourselves these questions. Does God work wonders for the dead? Yes. Paul said, for you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God worked wonders in our dead souls 
He gives us salvation in Christ. What about this? Haman asked God, do the departed rise up to praise you? Yes. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The Lord will raise us up though our bodies are dead. If we are found at the day of judgment in Christ, our bodies will be resurrected and join with our spirits. Haman asked God, is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Yes. Though Jesus lay in the tomb, when Jesus himself, the Son of God, was lying dead in the grave, the steadfast love of God was at work because it was being used through that tomb to enter your heart. Haman asked God, are your wonders known in the darkness? Yes. You see, there was another famous person in the Bible who experienced the depth of darkness and despair. I gave you a whole list of stories and people and examples at the beginning of biblical characters at the point, the deepest point of darkness, but there was another one. Jesus Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he would be crucified, experienced the darkest and deepest emotional pain to the point that blood actually seeped out of his pores and his sweat. And he cried out to God in that moment, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was coming. And then the next day, while hanging on the cross, you know what happened? Darkness fell over the earth. The sun did not shine because God the Father turned his face away. And Jesus in that moment, you know what he cried out? He sang a little part of a song, Psalm 22, that I mentioned earlier that David cried out in his despair. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus wasn't questioning God's love. He was affirming the pain that he knew we would all experience. He was affirming the pain that he took, the spiritual agony and depth of despair that he took on himself. Do you see that? Jesus put himself into the depths of darkness and despair so that you and I could experience the height of hope. That his life was given to us, our sin exchanged for his righteousness. But as the psalmist says here in verse 12, we tend to live in the land of forgetfulness. We tend to forget the great truth of Hebrews 4 verses 14 through 16 that says this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, 
with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In the deepest, darkest points of your despair, can you draw to the throne and the grace of God in your time of need? You can. But the Lord can make His righteousness known, especially in our darkest moments, because He has promised us that, yes, I work wonders in the darkness. Philippians 1, verse 6, Paul, a man who had experienced so much darkness in his life, was able yet to say this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There is hope in the darkness. Our Lord is working in His sovereign, infinite wisdom. He's guiding each of us home. You know that, right? He's guiding you home. He's leading you through this broken, terrible world. Shaping you and molding you and using every tragedy and every darkness and every point of despair to conform you to His image so that He can present you to God the Father and say, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Because He suffered the darkness for us so that we could live in the light. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for putting yourself into the depth of darkness and despair. Lord, I thank you that you took the wrath of God on yourself so that we would not have to. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that is in the depth of darkness right now, that Lord, like Haman, they would be honest with you in a reverent way. They would be honest, but that they would not cease to turn to you. Lord, there may be people here who are living in eternal darkness of the soul. And I pray by your grace and by the power of your gospel that you would lift them up right now. That they would repent of their sin and turn to you, Jesus, to be their Lord and their Savior, everything they could never be. Lord, I thank you that you love the brokenhearted. I thank you that you use the brokenhearted. You've done it for me. You've done it for countless numbers of people. You are a good God, always. You are always good. Though we may not feel it in our bones, let us believe it in our hearts. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
my God, I cry unto you day and night. Incline your ear to me. Let my prayer rise to My soul is in despair, my life draws near to death, I'm brought down to the pit, a man who has no strength, I cry to you, do you work wonders for the dead, oh Lord, do the departed rise to praise you. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Amen? Amen. Hey, I just want to say, if you need to talk to someone, um, please don't put that off. Um, 
If, if you're brokenhearted, if you are one who is crushed in spirit, as we all are from time to time, um, I encourage you to please talk to me or one of our pastors here. We would love to help you and, and just be a listening ear and be a voice of encouragement to you. So please do not hesitate. You can find us. You can find me in the cafe. You can find us walking around today. You can always stop by the church or email us or call us. But please don't put that off. If you have a question about salvation, what it means to eternally know the goodness of the Lord, uh, please, again, come to us and, and let us know that. We would love to walk with you through the steps of what it looks like to trust Jesus.